Are you an ex-evangelical? What in the world is that? Stick around and find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 037, podcast 37, where we have a biblical discussion of some topic confronting the culture, you, or the church, and using God's Word to make sense of it all. So join us over the next 20 to 25 minutes as we look into an issue through the lens of Scripture. In the end, if you're interested in digging a little bit deeper, we'll provide you additional resources on our resource page. In the meantime, let's get started. We're talking today about ex-evangelicals, those who are abandoning the church using COVID-19 for cover. So the question is, are you an ex-evangelical? All right. Uh, I know last week we promised that uh, this was going to be the topic that we'd tackle, and uh, and I figured that at some point we were going to tackle or at least see um, this issue in the church of people that just have gone through COVID and just decided that, you know what, church isn't really for me. So why don't you... Uh, Go on and explain to us kind of where we're going today, Keith. Yeah, thanks, Mark. This is a topic that really needs clarifying and confronting. And as much as it needs clarity and confronting, it also needs a whole lot of grace. Yeah, you know, I think that's actually a pretty good point, because I think there is, especially with a topic like this, um, a way that really, even for us as pastors, can be perceived as we're being very forceful or those um, those type of things just to get people into the seats. But uh but I do, I do think that you are right. It needs clarity and, and especially a lot of grace as we confront this issue. Yeah, you know, because too often Christians bury their wounded or they throw too many babies out with the bathwater. And I want to be careful not to do this today. I mean, let, let me just say this. Let's accept as a given that there are people with legitimate disabilities and comorbidities or suppressed immune systems that require them to shelter in place or that required them to shelter in place up until recently. And some had to wait for vaccines, and those vaccines are here. But also there were those who in the early days of the pandemic, like us, like all of us, like the rest of us, wanted to play it safe, wanted to be wise until we knew more about the disease and the infection. Remember, there was a time when it was possible or seemed possible that you could catch COVID off of surfaces. You could catch COVID in all kinds of ways. But now the CDC, the World Health Organization, and indeed the rest of the world has ruled that out. It seemed in the early days more contagious than it really is. And that caution was understandable. And in those days, the fatality rates or the expected fatality rates were overstated. So-called therapeutics weren't known. Infection rates and means of infection were relatively unknown. And no one really understood what we know today, that those who contract COVID 99.5% or better recover. And we know now, too, that the people who are most vulnerable were those with comorbidities or people over 70. But today, things are different. Vaccines are readily available, and the so-called variants that were resistant to vaccines turn out to be not so much. And now we have so much more clear data than we had before, and we know the risks better, and some of the hysteria has passed, which brings us to so-called ex-evangelicals. All right, yeah. You know, I think it's important that we define our terms. And so uh, do you want to define what an ex-evangelical is for us, Keith? Sure. According to the Urban Dictionary, an ex-evangelical is defined as a person who has left the evangelical Christian movement. 
Now, this includes people who have left more progressive Christian denominations as well as those who have left Christianity altogether. And we'll talk about progressive Christians in a future podcast. But there's another dimension to it that we need to consider, which includes those who were outwardly believers or professing believers because of some cultural connection or attachment to the institution that the church seems to be and not necessarily the body of Christ. And there are those who you know, want their kids to have good morals. There are those who appreciate good morals and good causes. And besides this, maybe they were raised in a church by godly parents or at least outwardly religious parents. And there are those who like intellectual challenges like philosophy or theology or apologetics. And maybe there's a legalistic bent of some kind or social cause like helping people or being pro-life. And understand this, I'm talking about nice, wholesome people, but in reality, these nice, wholesome people perhaps never surrendered their will, never surrendered their soul, never committed to Christ. These are good people, good-looking people. They speak the language. They act accordingly. Yeah, this actually kind of makes me think of, uh, and I think we've talked about it in the past, like there's some folks like Josh Harris and then um, the YouTube guys um, that you've mentioned in the past that have been pretty exvangelical. Yeah, those who sort of grew up in the church and they find some structure and affirmation there, but having no real relationship with Christ other than an outward apparent one, they sort of just fall away. And often what happens is just is one of two things. First, they outwardly rebel. They undergo something called a deconversion. They go through the deconstruction of their faith, leading to an outright denial of the faith. And, And what happens is Sometimes it's precipitated by some kind of event. Sometimes they see hypocrisy in the church. Well, you see hypocrisy everywhere, right? Sometimes they never really understood the faith, and so things just don't add up for them, and they walk away. But there's another group, and that's who I want to talk about today, who basically lose interest quietly, gradually, and subtly leave the church. There are many variants. Maybe they dated a Christian, and then they married a Christian, and they need no longer play the game. Or sometimes it was a culture of earthly family that they were born into, like we talked about before. And now that they're grown up, they begin to drift. And sometimes they just weary of playing by what they perceive are rules of the club, and they leave the club. And sometimes they cling to mental assent, but they just lose steam and complacency sets in. So today I want to discuss this group. Yeah, I feel like that first group can definitely be uh, a podcast all in of itself and, and probably pretty different from the direction that we want to take today. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how we uh, tie this in with that second group. Well, in church circles, we're hearing a lot about people who seem to be finding church unnecessary. They seem to think or believe that they have good excuses or reasons. And among them are those who watch church online. They maintain some limited contact with a few friends. So they have this I'm okay, you're okay kind of laissez-faire attitude. And then you see them on social media out and about doing things, going places. And you realize that it's really not about COVID. They're not really afraid of infection per se, although they might hint at that. But we are looking beyond the COVID smokescreen. And the problem seems to be that church is beginning to cramp their style. And so church becomes inconvenient, unnecessary, optional. Or they start to develop or concoct their own philosophy of church. I, I really like that you bring out that, that fact that you know church just kind of becomes inconvenient. Because a year of sitting at home watching church, you, you have adopted a new lifestyle. And so 
Why don't we, as, as we go forward here, why don't you talk a little bit about the diagnosis and the diagnostic for an exvangelical? Sure. And not to be irreverent or flippant, Mark, it's kind of like that comedian who used to have that whole routine, you might be a redneck if. Oh, yes. One of my favorites, uh, that was Mr. Jeff Foxworthy, yeah? Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. I'm surprised you know that name, but we'll talk about that maybe in another <laughs> podcast, too. Yeah. And so anyway... Um, this is the whole evangelical, exvangelical thing. And so let's go with that. You might be an exvangelical if you find yourself not believing all of a sudden or gradually in, in quotation marks, organized religion. You increasingly have less affection for the church, the bride of Christ, and by extension, the people of God. And with uh, this set of symptoms, you'll notice that you are less and less inclined to attend events, but you hang on to one for appearances or for the sake of conscience. You slowly start distancing yourself from people in the church, friends even, and you drift, and uh, things become more and more optional. You're less and less open to discipleship and accountability unless you are the one doing the mentoring or holding others accountable. It's part of a pattern of self-deception. You might be or you might be becoming an exvangelical if you bristle when someone inquires about your prolonged absence from church and you are quite confident in your own excuses for blowing off church because you know that you're right and no one else quite gets it. And you have all sets of all kinds of uh, reasons, which I really just call excuses. Let me just kind of walk us through a sampling of them. The first excuse, number one, is putting family first. And that sounds good until you think what you're teaching your children or your spouse or your unbelieving neighbors by your example. You, you really can't say, I'm putting my family first, so I'm not coming to church. That kind of goes against Deuteronomy 6, teaching them every opportunity you can, your children, or Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, coming together to encourage one another, to stimulate one another to love and to good works. And so you have to stop kidding yourself, which brings us to excuse number two. And that is, is that church just doesn't fit with my life stage. It's too inconvenient. Service times don't work. It's kind of funny. At Hillside, we have three service times. And I, it's hard to imagine that one of them doesn't work, whether it's an 8 o'clock, a, a 9.30, or an 11. I mean, in Nehemiah 8, you see people bringing their children to worship. It talks about the men, the women, and all who could understand for a three-hour worship service. You think about Jesus' sacrifice described in Philippians, where he, for the sake of others, makes himself of no account, or Jesus in the garden saying, not what I will, Father, but what you will, or Jesus on the cross. Jesus hangs on the cross, but coming to church is too inconvenient for us. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him, despising its shame, and yet, we won't endure 90 minutes on Sunday. My favorite, I'm, I'm, I don't mean favorite really, though, is uh, excuse number three. You don't like your pastor's preaching. This works for a lot of people on a lot of levels, but let's examine this. Sometimes I had, I, I had somebody say, well, I just don't like this person's preaching. Well, what is it about it don't you like? Is it his precision? Is he saying things that aren't in the text? That would be false teaching. That would be understandable. Or is it you? Is the problem you? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and his sermons are hitting a little too close to home? Or sometimes people say, well, I just don't like his interpretation of the passage. And when you ask them, well, do you have a better one? Do you have a different one? What's yours? They really don't seem to have that. And so it's kind of like they're always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Another excuse is that 
You've observed hypocrisy in the church. Well, hypocrisy is everywhere, and all of us, if we're breathing at some level, are hypocrites. And then another excuse is you can't find a good church. And so you're on this hunt, for, and you know this church just doesn't cut it anymore. Well, go find a mediocre church, roll up your sleeves, get involved, and make it a better church. You know, Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, right? We're, we're supposed to put the needs of others above ourselves. And we're not supposed to look down on a church. We're supposed to serve in a church. And then there's the final excuse, last and least. You're waiting to, for the right time to return to church. And that you, you're going to return to church someday. But when you look on a calendar, there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But some day doesn't show up on a calendar. And James warns us to those who know the right thing to do and they don't do it. It's sin. Now, I can hear somebody saying, okay, stop piling on. But the fact of the matter is, there, are, there is a need. You, you, the, people need you. You need people. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and so stop stalling. Let, let me give you some word pictures to think of, Mark. You work with me on this. So body parts don't work when they're cut off from the body, do they? No, what happens to them? Well, usually uh, for any length of time, a body part separated from the body just starts to bleed out. It starts to lose any, any ability to ever become part of the body again. Right. It's an amputation. The body suffers loss, and we are members of the body of Christ. We are individually separate, but different parts fit together, as it says in Ephesians. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, you know, I want my people to be one just as we are one. And so when you cut yourself off from the body of Christ, you're going to wither and die. Now, let's think about relationships. You know, what, Mark, what if, you, what if you dated, before you were married, of course, somebody who lived on the other side of the world and you never communicated? How would that go? Yeah, that would, that would never work out very well. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. These so-called long-distance relationships don't really work well. I mean, you can watch a cooking show, but it's not the same as dining in person. And then there comes to the fact that we are called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That goes beyond planting a tree with a civic group, right? That involves getting, getting down and dirty within the church with the people of God. I mean, think of this description in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Listen to this description of the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, try doing those things remotely. And they had, they had plagues, they had epidemics, breaking bread together. Those who believed were together. This goes well beyond a Zoom call, Mark. And day by day in the temple physically breaking bread together 
And how did they have the favor of all people? They were out and among the people, visible, not invisible, standing out, not blending in. And how does the Lord add to their numbers if they never make contact with other human beings? Yeah, that's I that's there's the point, you know, and that's it's something I think that there might be some people listening that that's going to hurt a little bit and that's going to sting and be like, oh, man, um, I, I think I've messed up a little bit there. And and I think it's necessary that we bring this out and that we do talk about what happens really when that body is cut off and how much we need each other. And really this example that we have in Acts about how um, how the church came together and how being together was really the strength of the church. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it does sting. I'm sure it hurts. Some people might even be offended, but people need to hear this. Sometimes the truth stings. Sometimes the truth hurts. That is the nature of the gospel. And think about this, Mark. If somebody doesn't value the bride of Christ, you really can't love her groom, Jesus. You can't love one and neglect the other. And moreover, we're no longer in an epidemic or even a pandemic. COVID is going to be, I'm afraid, endemic. So what do you mean by that? What's, uh, what's the progression here? Well, let's look at the dictionary. An endemic disease is one that is a disease or a condition regularly found among the population. COVID, like the flu and the common cold, is here to stay. It won't be deadly, as, despite the media hype and hysteria. It won't infect as many people due to natural immunity or immunity developed through previous contact or vaccines. But there will be other bugs, there will be other viruses, other diseases, and this is just one of many. I mean, look back at history. We have had it relatively easy and safe. Think of Martin Luther or John Calvin ministering during the plague in Europe. And think about this. Our reaction was, for the first time in history, we quarantined the healthy people. Is this how you want to spend your life? I mean, seriously. Do we want to be locked up and away from people, away from each other, not meeting together to encourage one another, as it talks about, and as it commands in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25? So I think it's time to stop making excuses and embrace your unbelief. If you're an ex-evangelical, it may be that you're an unbeliever. And once you understand your problem... You can affect a cure, and that cure is Christ, embracing him for real, not just when it suits you. It's as easy as ABC. You admit your sin, you believe Christ, and you commit yourself to him. And if you are a Christian who's just kind of wandering from the fold, it's time to repent. Stop making excuses. Stop deceiving others. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop undermining your child's future faith or your spouse's future faith, and return to church. John writes in 1 John of a principle, they went out from us because they were not of us. You might be an ex-evangelical if you feel particularly complacent about the church or angered at what we've had to say today, it, because it just might be that you're under conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit, and you know this applies to you. And if I've touched a nerve here, you might be an ex-evangelical, or you might simply need to repent and return to church. God knows, and maybe so do you. Well, Mark, that's it for today. I think we've done enough damage for today. If you'd like further resources, visit us online at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. If you'd like to ask me a question, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Keith at hillside.org. I'll try to answer within 24 hours. Also, uh, you can learn about our services. They are at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sunday in person. You can watch us online if you want. 
at www.hillside.org forward slash services. If you're listening on one of the uh, podcast platforms, give us a five-star rating, make good comments, share us with your friends because we want to reach more and more people for Christ. We release this podcast on Wednesdays, so we hope you'll join us next time. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler, Out of My Mind. God bless you and keep you, and I hope you're not an ex-evangelical.